I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals you. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey, Rush Nation, before we get to today's show, which is an absolute banger, trust me on this, I want to tell you about the fantasy football playbook. Murph and I have been working really hard, blood, sweat and tears have been pushed into our first publication. It's a book about fantasy football. Shock, this is a fantasy football podcast, but it's got strategy guides for all formats, rookie player profile reviews, Murph's PAS metric, which is exclusive to the podcast and the book. Head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk into the shop and go buy yourself the Fantasy Football Playbook. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey everyone, welcome to Five Yard Rush. There is no stocks, unfortunately. Stocks and I had a bit of a scheduling conflict. Uh, life has seemed to have hit us pretty hard this week with all sorts of different things going on. So uh, you've got me in your in your ears. And uh, as always, would never be alone anyways, because that could be quite a tiring uh, spate. So uh, with me, I've actually brought in another very, very special guest. Um, so I brought with me today the author of the Fantasy Football Almanac. He's the host of the Get Paid and Functional Sportsaholic podcast and also the host and producer of the underdog tv on youtube sure ryan welcome to five year rush how you doing i'm doing well thanks for having me 
No, thanks. Thank you for for coming on. Um, I know when we were speaking on on Twitter, I you know bought the the almanac last year. I heard you on a podcast. I cannot remember for the life of me what podcast <laughs> I I heard you on, but you're on one of the big ones. Um, and um, I wonder if it was Fantasy Pros or or fits with fantasy i know it's one of them i was trying to yeah, find yeah you know day. around book season i do it could have been a number of them. <laughs> i yeah. do i kind of do the book tour you know and um the, the virtual book tour as it were uh in in july and august so uh yeah i kind of try to go in, and you kind of know how it is i mean the fantasy football community um is uh you know they're close-knit but they're always trying to help each other out so you know getting people on guests and podcasts and kind of sharing the love um you know it's it's, it's kind of a cool community to, to belong to so especially when when you're an author um a fledgling author like myself uh it's it's always very helpful and, and great to be on these different podcasts and everything so again thank you for having me i do appreciate it no look re- really appreciate it and you're you're so right about this uh this community because it, it's absolutely amazing because we you know we published our first book this year and um you know, we had some great people who supported us, whether that was by retweeting it out or having us on or doing a, a, a promo for it. So um, fantasy football Twitter is all the good things about Twitter. <laughs> it mixed is in with the very small bit of the worst about it at the same time. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Uh, it's it's amazing wouldn't have it uh any other way but i feel since we're coming up to to draft season you do have your book out um mm-hmm. which we're going to cut uh touch on shortly but really just to give a bit of a background we like to get uh guests on to sort of break the ice a little bit and find out a little bit about the man behind the book so first of all how did you get into uh football in, in general and then actually getting to, to talking about fantasy football and, and doing what you're doing <laughs> You know, it's funny. So um, we, we were talking off air before, and I mentioned that I was uh, I was a baseball player uh, growing up. Um, and there was a thing. I I'm from originally the kind of the D.C. Baltimore area uh, in the states, and I I loved the Baltimore Orioles, and they went on a little bit of run in the mid '90s. And there was a kid. They were playing the New York Yankees in the playoffs. A kid named Jeffrey Mayer pulled a ball over the fence. It's cheating. Pulled the ball over the fence. Major League Baseball did nothing about it, and I, it was so painful for me. I said, "Screw it! I'm going over to the National Football League," and that's where I'm pouring, uh, you know, pouring all of my energy into. So for about 25 years, and I've always liked the, the National Football League. I've always liked football, uh, but for the past 25 years, I, I got to say, um, in honesty, if I'm if I'm doing some self reflection here, it's it's borderline sickness. Um, so how did I come to write about you know football and fantasy football? I would say two things. Um, one, I love it. Two, maybe I love it a little bit too much, um, and I felt like if I was going to love it too much and really kind of throw myself into something, it should be that, right? And uh, another thing is I noticed that fantasy football publications were lacking in, from my point of view, like two key areas. One is a lot of these publications that you can buy at a grocery store or, or at a you know, hypermarket or wherever you're picking your, your guide up, they're not updated. So they get written in like May or June. And then you get stale information. And so if I'm grabbing a magazine off a rack and I'm on my way to the draft and I need up-to-date information, I'm getting information that's like two months old. So I wanted to create something that was a little bit more up-to-date. And then another thing is I never had the information really displayed the way I wanted it displayed or the strategy and the draft strategy broken down in the way that was intuitive to me. And so I thought, this is how I've been doing it. If I do say so myself, I've been successful in playing fantasy football you know, since the 90s, since before online fantasy sports wasn't a thing. And this is the way I've been doing it. Maybe some other people will find some value. 
I had no idea that the book would do as well as it did. It was a labor of love. I thought maybe I'd be, you know, really excited if I sold 10 copies. And, you know, thankfully, I, you know, knock on wood, I've been selling a lot more than that um, over the over the years. So it's just been something that I really like to do. And, um, and it's worked out to, to be kind of a, you know, a side business for me as well. That's awesome. Um, going back to the baseball story, when you said pull over, I take it that was a guy, was that a fan who was It was a in fan? Oh, goodness. Um, uh, it was a fan. It was a 12-year-old kid, if I remember correctly, because I was about that same age, give or take. And it's, it's against Major League policy for the, the fans to be that close, right? And so what ended up happening is I think it was Derek Jeter, if I remember correctly. It was late in the game. It was a 1-1 game, or maybe even the Orioles were winning by a run. Derek Jeter hits a ball that would have been caught. So the outfielder is standing by the fence, ready oh. to catch the ball. And the kid pulled the ball over the fence and the umpire called it a home run. Mm. And especially back in the nineties, there was no means to overturn a call. They didn't have video review. Like they just instituted like a couple of years ago here. And so that for me was heartbreaking. Um, I think the Orioles, uh, they just changed. It was early in the series, but it changed the whole complexion of the series. And you know, baseball and FIFA is like this as well. They're just mm. so slow to implement changes that would, you know, we're just looking for small things to, to make sure that the right team wins. Right. Um, and you know, FIFA is so slow to adopt technology. Okay. They have, you know, the goal cam now, but it's just like, come on guys. Like just, you know, some things can help, you know, we're not asking you to reinvent the wheel here, but you know, taking a bad goal away, isn't the worst thing in the world. Right. So, and as the same, the same is true. If you're in playoff baseball, if you're in the FIFA world cup and in, in a knockout round, you can't have that stuff going on. Um, and why it's taken so long for some of these uh, organizations to adopt some of this stuff is crazy. That's another reason I've always kind of gravitated towards the NFL is mm-hmm. they'll try out new rules and they'll see what works, you know? And, um, and I just love it. And I love the tactics of the game as well. It's just, I think the greatest game um, from my point of view in, um, you know, in the world. Yeah, absolutely. The reason I, I asked that question is you flashed me back to when I was 18 years old, I was a Marlins fan um i've changed to a nationals fan because i get over to dc a bit more and i'm uh-huh. not as much a fan of jeter and the and don yeah. madley and the yeah clubhouse yeah and being a yankees clubhouse so um and i remember pudge rodriguez eighth inning 2003 must have been the nlds or the nlcs against the cups and mm-hmm. a fan called steve Barton, oh yeah i'll never forget this he reached over it was going to be a foul ball he reached over grabbed it it's a home run turns out to be the winning run it eliminates the cubs who have been through this horrendous history, you don't need me to tell you, of not winning. Yeah. And that this guy got absolutely, and I'll never forget this, he was national news for weeks because he reached over and grabbed up. I mean, I still remember his name now. That's how big mm-hmm. it was. So you just flashed me back to when I was 18 years old. So I appreciate it. It's brutal. Like, I don't, um, I, I know I'm kind of on a cam. I don't know if your audience sees the video or whatever, but back yeah. here I have a Cubs helmet. I actually live in Chicago now. Not that I'm a big Cubs fan, but I remember that pretty well. I'll give you one quick anecdote here too, is there was a Halloween um, where I was giving out candy and I don't, you know, I had, I had my Cubs hat on and I had, um, I had like a black like hoodie on because it gets a little chilly up here in Halloween and I had earmuffs on and I looked exactly like Steve Bartman. And so I'm in Chicago handing out candy and everybody thought I was Steve Bartman. And this was right when the Cubs were making their run to win the World Series. And so everybody thought I was it was putting bad voodoo out um, for Steve Barton. So I was getting so many like nasty comments <laughs> handing out candy. I was this guy in a Cubs hat and, and earmuffs handing out candy, but they thought I was being Steve Bartman because of his whole, um, oh. he was wearing these big, um, these big headphones when, uh, when he took the yeah, foul ball right. over. 
And I said, and so like by the end of the night, I was just like, nah, we're exercising the demons tonight. And so I was just like, yeah, we're getting, we're getting it out there. And so, and they ended up winning the world series like a week after that or something. <laughs> so you, you're so welcome you can Chicago. Take credit. Yeah. I was going to say you did it. You exercised the ghost of the goat and, uh, yeah. and Steve yeah, Thurman yeah. and everything, you know, all so really the city of Chicago should be giving you the keys to the city. I, that's that's what, how I see it. You know, I've been, I've been campaigning for that, but they have not, uh, they have not, uh, since, uh, given me that, the accolades that I've been so seeking. I think you and I are both uh, do credit. I make this uh, this comment quite a lot. So I, I lived in Orlando. We we're talking off air from 2000 right. to 2005, right? And um, so in that spate, you had the Magic win the playoffs every year with Tracy McGrady. Um, oh, right. You had the Bucks won the Super Bowl then, mm-hmm. and win the playoffs every year. Um, then you had, you know, the Marlins. They won the World Series. Then the Lightning won the last yeah. um, Stanley Cup there before the uh, the holdout the following year. Um, and what have they done combined since since two thousand and five? Yeah, <laughs> Not, I say uh, the like, yeah. haven't been back. The the Bucks haven't been back in the playoffs since since oh eight, and they only made two playoffs since when they were in it every year. I was there. The Magic, all right, they had a run to the finals in oh nine, and um, haven't done much since. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Know, I think the tourist board should hire me to move permanently back to Florida and <laughs> there the you go. city of Chicago should anoint you with some sort of statue heralding. <laughs> yeah, because hey, the, the Chicago Blackhawks in the National Hockey League um, ended a big drought basically the year I moved up here. So we've seen the White Sox have gone on a run. We've brought, I've brought a lot of championships, I feel like. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> We're going to send this to all the Chicago front offices and get you <laughs> right. tickets for life. Good karma. <laughs> So you know you you lived a few places. You, you've had a few teams. Who is your uh, your NFL team, and uh, and why are you behind that? <laughs> so it's funny, um, it, you know. And I get a lot of people. So one of the things I know we're going to talk about the book later, but one of the things the Almanac does, and I mentioned before about how one of my pet peeves is these these books um, will go out with steal information. They have no means to get updates to to their audience and people to buy them. And so one of the things that um, I do is I, I give free updates, but they have to basically email me so that they can get access to them. And everybody that emails me, I'd say maybe like a quarter of them will ask me, hey, who's your favorite team? And they ask me because they don't want me to have bias, right? So they, they're like, ah, I'll just kind of write off this section. And I say this, and nobody ever really believes me, but I don't have a favorite team. So I grew up rooting for the, for the Washington Redskins, who are now, as of today, the, the quote-unquote Washington football team established <laughs> 1932. Um, so they, um, they've been a dumpster fiber franchise. I mean, I came into this franchise, the first game NFL game I watched was the Doug Williams Super Bowl against the Broncos in 19, I think it was 87, uh, the 86 season, 87, or maybe it was 87 season at 88. But point is like, I go way back with this franchise, Joe Gibbs. Um, I mean, I just, I loved this team and, um, and, and just loved them through and through. But when Dan Snyder took over this team in the late nineties, it has just been a dumpster fire and it was getting progressively worse and worse. I was, I, I was actually a red, the rare Redskins fan who thought that they should change the name. So that was a whole thing. So I'm actually on board with them changing the name. Um, and, uh, the bungling of the Kirk cousins contract for me was the straw that broke the camel's back and I just couldn't do it. And I, I was telling the story to somebody recently, maybe on another podcast. I said, look, it got to the point where I was watching Redskins games. Like it would be Redskins Cowboys in a big game. The Redskins would lose. And I would say, I would think to myself, well, Dan Snyder is miserable tonight and I am happy about that. And so I had these conflicting emotions where I was actually rooting for Dan Snyder's pain more than I was rooting for the Washington Redskins kind of glory. <laughs> and that's when I started to move away. I was maybe 2015, 2016. I started moving away from 
you know, tying my mental energy into this organization and more about just enjoying the X's and O's of football because it's a beautiful sport, right? Um, when I see basically in the U.S. when you get FIFA every four years, I enjoy watching the World Cup. Um, it's, it's a beautiful sport. You sit down, you watch the tactics of it and, and things that maybe a a player that's just following the ball don't see like the different ways players move around. Um, you know, how, how NFL offensive coordinators, and I'm sure, um, you know, football coaches, um, soccer coaches in the U S will, uh, kind of position players and act as decoys and move things around. I'd love that. It's like chess, but with real people on a, on a big field. Um, so that's what I love. I'm a fan of the NFL and I'm a fan of my fantasy football teams, and I'm a fan of my daily fantasy football rosters, and that's where I come from. And I actually think it's made me a better, not only fantasy football player, but a better NFL better uh, against the spread as well because I'm pretty – that's actually where I started my business was, uh, was NFL betting, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah so um, – and, you know, without bias, you can't bring bias into these things. Bias doesn't get you paid in <laughs> daily no. fantasy or, or – or um, the NFL betting or any kind of betting like that. So I don't root for a team. I root for my wallet. That's what I tell people. And uh, it doesn't jive with everybody, but it is the truth. I, I think that makes sense. And uh, Stocks is, uh, you know, unfortunately not here, but he, he's very similar. I mean, he, 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 he does go uh, blue and orange, you know, with Denver. But, mm. you know, he, he likes his fantasy teams and his fantasy players um, a lot more than than anything um yeah. as i you know i'm a buccaneers fan and, and i'll root for mm-hmm. the team but you know they've, they've been bad for 12 years so it, it's pretty easy to remove bias when you expect them to be bad every year so uh, it's times like, are changing man <laughs> times are changing in tampa well i'll, I'll believe it when the season starts <laughs> yeah you're, yeah. My, my famous last quote is uh, no good things happen to the buccaneers and uh <laughs> the fact that we signed tom brady means that there's not going to be a football season so um <laughs> that is the most tampa bay thing ever would be to sign the best player ever to have played the game and then to not have a season for him to play <laughs> um I, I you know i don't want it to happen i really don't i in my heart hearts i don't believe it will happen i'm kind of jesting here but yeah right it wouldn't also shock me given that that tampa bay's history of of just luck is just terrible in the last 12 years and longer really um so the last question before we get into the fantasy season some players and then and then the book um i like to ask this to to everybody who comes on is you know we get a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are thinking about maybe starting their own podcast or and we've had a lot of guys start their own blogs as a result of listening to this or uh you know starting their own podcast or their own channel or whatever it might be so so this is thinking about, I, I really want to do something, whether it's it's football, fantasy football, soccer, model train, skiing, whatever it might be, wherever there's a niche in the world. Um, mm-hmm. What advice would you give to, to those people? Because, you know, you set up your business, um, you know, you said with betting and, and then you're doing the book and, and, and everything else that you do, the array of media that you do. So, you know, what, what advice would you give from someone who has built, you know, their, their business from the ground up to, to get them started? Well, you know, I would say... Probably the, the the biggest tagline here is just do it. Um, you know, I think a lot of people uh, kind of get into their own head, maybe in confidence. And it, one of the things I'm a big proponent of is just throw things at a wall and, and kind of see what sticks. Um, you know, if, for example, right after college, I actually wanted to be a screenwriter. Um, thankfully, I, I also worked and I blogged for the Redskins. I was a Redskins team correspondent for a site back then called, I think it still exists actually, NFL Draft Blitz. And, um, 
that the contacts I made there is actually um, the guy who owned NFL Draft Blitz is where my podcast, uh, he owns the podcast network there. So, you know, just getting out there and getting your name out there is one thing. Then think about kind of wh- where you want to be. Um, you know, do you want to have a book? Do you want to have your own website? Or do you want somebody else to manage the website you just want to create? That's another thing as well. So having kind of an end game in mind and then understanding that you're just this world whatever business or whatever publication you're in, this world is just so saturated with stuff. So just do what makes you happy and throw it at the wall and see what sticks. And if you're trying to build a business, you'll figure it out because some things are going to get traction. And I mentioned the gambling stuff that I started. Like I have a really good gambling service, but when I tried to market it, I realized very quickly, nobody wanted it. And I was marketing it. I know it has value. I believe in it strongly because I've been playing it. Nobody wants it, and that's and that's fine, right? But I did it, um, and then but I also knew that some of the analytics that I do for betting were some of the same analytics that I use for um, for fantasy football. So, and I thought, okay, well, I like fantasy football. I'll throw this out there, not thinking it honestly, not thinking it would ever sell, and that's what took off. And it also my podcast took off at the same time, and I got kind of lucky. But I would never have gotten lucky if I didn't put in the work and just tried it. So, you know, I've always said, what, you know, luck, luck requires work generally for regular people uh, to pan out. So I say just do it. Don't try to be perfect right out the gate because you're not going to be. You're going to be way better in 10 years than you are today. You're going to look at things you wrote tomorrow and oh, cringe 15 years from now. And I do too. I never even look at my old stuff, but it's a progression. And so just do it, you know, and do it for yourself and what you love to do. Um, and if you do that, and if you love it, then who cares what anybody thinks? Who cares if it ever takes off? Just do what you like. And uh, it's worked out, thankfully for me, and hopefully things will get a little bit better. I know it's working out for you guys here on the show. And anybody out there who's listening to man, just throw it at the wall and see what, see what sticks, see what you like to do. A hundred percent. And do you know what? When you've got something and you think it's good, but no one's purchasing it. That, that's why I love the bit where you're saying about the about the betting side. Yeah. You know, I had the same thing with we've got a metric in our book which I created. It's a point against streaming metric. I ran mm-hmm. a stream model every week. Rather than just picking the best streamer, I picked the best streamer in live view. So looking at under thirty percent owned players. I would go with who I think is the best play out of those players that are yeah. under 30% owned every week. And I tracked that across the season. I streamed the quarterback to, you know, the tight end seven, um, you know, the D, the key, I, you know, the, the wide receiver 30, it would have been top 24, but Anthony Miller killed me in week 17 with his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like that, but I tracked it and I wanted to yeah. keep it genuine rather than go back and say, oh, well, the best stream of, of each week, because that's not authentic. No one's going to get it right 100% of the time. Um, right. Metric, I put this article on the website, and legitimately it got eight views a week. Now, typically our articles get a few hundred views, mm-hmm. and it might have been the time I put it out. I don't know. It's now sure. the number one thing that people comment on the book and say, this is the thing I'm going to take away from it yeah. above everything else. And so it's what you say. It's just how you package it timing and packaging so even if you've got a really good idea and it doesn't take off immediately don't just give up on it because if you believe it has value and you really believe in it show it around to some people you know get some input sharpen it up and maybe think of a different way to package it and it's mm-hmm. like it's worked for you it's worked for for so many people i know who you know there's no such thing as a bad idea it's just how you execute it so uh, the gambling thing, and I'll, I'll give you another example. So I shut down. I decided not to even try to sell the service anymore, um, you know, NFL against the spread. But um, 
I ended up joining a big in Las Vegas. There's a big, um, um, you know, super, there's a few of them, but there's one where like the, the winner wins like, you know, a million and a half bucks or something. It costs a lot of money to enter. Well, last year, unfortunately, I, um, in my professional life, like I said, this is kind of a side gig, um, at the moment. Um, but my, I lost my, my day job, uh, last year, but you know, we're fine. You know, a lot of people have a lot worse. That's not the point, but my other tool, which is pure analytics, I didn't enter that. I would have finished third overall. I made 250 grand last year. I wish I had done it. Um, I, I'm one of the persons, or uh, I'm the type of person is like, just believe in yourself. If you believe in it, then do it. And that was like kind of my my slap in the face to myself. Is like, you know, you knew you knew you were going to do well. You only entered one of your two lineups. You, over years, over five years, I've always been over 60. percent And the one. Uh, tool that I used. I um, the one that I used is 58, which is still good, but not good enough to get paid. The other one would have finished third in the contest. So lesson learned there. Unfortunately, because of COVID and all the weird oddities, I'm not going to even enter this year. So I'm kind of loading up for 2021. But um, yeah, it's uh, that was a little bit of a smack to the face for me. But it's my own fault. So I just I kind of laugh about it because what else can you do? I can't cry about it. Well, yeah, I mean, you could. No one would blame you. 250 yeah. grand's a lot of money. I think anyone listening to this thinking yeah. I set the wrong lineup and missed out on 250 grand. I think we'd all be, uh, well, I think we'd all be looking for the nearest cliff. Potentially. <laughs> so I think yeah. the fact that you can laugh about it now is, is a good thing. I don't know if I'd be quite over it just yet. But what can you do? But moving on then to, to the fantasy season. So 2020 yeah. coming up. Hopefully we get a season. How many leagues are you um, playing to play in? And what's, what's sort of the best format for you that, you that you like to play? What's your favorite? You know, my all-time favorite league was a deep keeper league um, where we had a 20-person roster. Uh, we played individual defense too. So it wasn't a one defense slot. You had to have basically at least four defensive players on your roster. So you could think of like 16 offensive players, 15 if you don't count kicker. That was my favorite format, kind of the deep keeper. keeper. You rotate half your league, um, your team out every season but you can also keep half your team. So you can kind of build almost like a dynasty. Um, unfortunately, that league fell apart around, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago um, for various reasons. But that's my favorite format, and I've never found as good of that. It was a free league. It was a pride league, and it was just my favorite league to play. Um, but other than that, you know, I think this year I'll probably be in maybe two to three. I'm not a guy that likes to play like 20 leagues. I like to play a couple of leagues for a couple of reasons. One, if I play 20, I feel like, you know, just the law of averages, you're going to win one or two. So for me, that kind of cheapens a win a little bit. Um, two, as you are aware, I know you mentioned you have a kind of a little uh, rug rat running around your house. I have a couple in mind too. So I like to be dialed in. And three, now that I've started writing the book, I'm actually, I spend more time answering and helping people um, that email in with questions than I do spending time trying to knock out waivers in my own team. Like I'll tell people to make all these waiver claims and then I'll get to Wednesday morning. And I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot to put in the freaking waiver claim for myself. And that's happened. <laughs> that happened to me last season and plagued me. It's like, I'm spending all this time, you know, facilitating and putting content on YouTube and all this stuff. I forget to make the moves because I'm so busy. So I'll, I'll keep it a little bit light. I love the uh, kind of a dynasty and keeper format because I think there's a lot of value in finding it's like stocks or finding these diamond in the roster. There's a lot of pride that goes with that. You know, finding these deep sleepers like Eckler last year I got, he's a keeper coming for me this year. Got him in like the ninth or 10th round line. I love that. That's my favorite thing to do. So I like leagues formats that will reward you for that. And then, you know, PPR standard um, half PPR too. The, the type of league doesn't matter to me as much as the, um, you know, just the ability to, to keep players year over year. I'm a big kind of dynasty, deep, deep guy, deep keeper guy. 
I like that. Yeah, I, I mean. I mean, man, I, I love Dynasty. I love playing it. I've been introduced to some of the wildest formats this year. <laughs> I yeah. literally, I've, I can't think of a format that, that I haven't played in this year. Um, I'm going to end up with about 60 teams. I'm on the opposite spectrum. <laughs> uh, because God bless you. Oh, it's God bless you. Uh, it's, at least most of them are only in like two um, two different formats. So it's like you can roll through and, and get them done and there's a lot yeah. of best ball leagues in there. So that's, I mean, that's okay. Um, but we do listener leagues and I'm trying to keep it interesting. And the first listener league, I'm going to drop this now as an exclusive. It's going to be a league. I, I similar format to what I entered with a bunch of uh, dynasty guys I play with on, on Twitter. And um, basically it, it's called a franchise uh, frenzy league. So basically it's two drafts. So the first draft is a five round. You got to pick a team. So each team, each franchise NFL franchise exists twice. Mm um and basically you draft through uh which franchises you want to pick players out of and only two players can have them or you can monopolize if you're on a turn and you're with like the miami dolphins versus you know the washington football team and uh a few others um you could monopolize and just take the entire miami uh defense or the miami team and then that's it and then you'll end up playing Mm -hmm. with maybe four different franchises but you lock that, which means you don't have to take any of the Miami skill players when you get to the actual draft until the very end. So to throw up when he did this the first time around and everyone, it was a brand new format. You had guys like uh, Jacob Eason going before Russell Wilson <laughs> because okay. the guy monopolized the Seahawks. So he didn't right. have to pick Wilson until like the last few picks when he was just filling oh, his sure. roster. So you had people like Eason because people were rallying because it's a dynasty format and people would right. be bothering over it. So you have to think when you're drafting, I had like the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. So I had to look at where the other guy had these franchises and then had to think, okay, so if I take Zeke here, what's the penalty of Zeke? And it's going to be um, either Godwin or Dak. And that was kind right. of the cost. You have to weigh it up and try and outguess. And then there's trades going on, the trade up. and <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, it is it is a wild format. So we're going to do that as a redraft. So it'll take a little bit out because it's going to blow people's minds. So that's the kind of yeah, thing I've sure. been doing this off season, just to... <laughs> Just to expand the, the the wealth a little bit, but it's yeah. I mean, fantasy football is so fun now. You can really just create any any yeah. former league you, you want to do. But yeah, I think dynasty and keeper leagues are just the way forward. Especially dynasty leagues. I'm probably less on on keeper leagues now. I think I got rid of all my keeper leagues because it was just like it's the same couple of players every year that get kept and it doesn't really freshen up for three four years and right and right. then people lose interest and and that's what happens. But so looking at players coming into the season, who are some players who you are uh, higher on than the general consensus based on on your rankings and your your analytics? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I'm a big proponent of is is follow kind of offensive coordinators. And if, if you play like stock market and like all that stuff, you know, a lot of investors will say, you know, follow the CEO. Um, but I think there's a misconception in the NFL is a lot of, you know, fantasy football players or a lot of kind of maybe more casual fans. Like I said, I'm a lunatic when it comes to, to the NFL. Um, I literally watch every game, uh, any game that I can't watch on Sunday, I catch up on, on game pass. I do. Um, what a lot of people think is, is the player drives the value. Um, and I think the player drives some of the value. And I think also teams think that the head coach drives a player's value when really a lot of times it's the offensive and defensive coordinators that drive a player's value. So um, my book really goes heavily into kind of using that, that 
because I watch all the game and the game film, I chart plays because of what I have to do for the gambling stuff that I do personally. Um, we really do pay hard attention to the X's and O's and the schemes and all that. And so for that reason, I have a couple of guys that I like. Um, one, I feel like everybody's kind of sleeping from last year. DJ Chark in Jacksonville. Look, Jacksonville's not a good team, but that doesn't matter in fantasy football. I feel like DJ Chark right now is valued, considering that Gardner Minshew did really well with him downfield while both were healthy and in the lineup. And Gardner Minshew was a rookie with no training camp. Um, I think they'll be better. And don't forget that Jay Gruden, ex-Redskins head coach, Jay Gruden has coached uh, both Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton to top 10 quarterback seasons. And Gardner Minshew can run the ball, uh, meaning he can scramble well and get touchdowns on the ground, which is very important. So, um, you know, this whole this whole offense can move the ball. I like Gardner Minshew, by the way, um, more than I like everybody else. But DJ Chark, I don't see any regression. I actually think he has a higher chance for me and my analytics to progress next year. And I think everybody else is just kind of assuming that he's going to shut down. Um, So that's one. Um, Nick Chubb, again, I think people are are paying attention to Kareem Hunt and saying, oh, you know, Hunt is, you know, going to take snaps away. But you got a new coach in there, um, Stefanski, coming over after his successful offensive coordinating duties and play calling duties with the Minnesota Vikings. Chubb was the second highest rushing um, running back last year, only got eclipsed at the end of the season by Derrick Henry in the last week of the season. And this was on the team, the Cleveland Browns, that never used Chubb in strategic situations. The Kitchens wanted the glory to, go to Baker Mayfield. You get a run-first mentality. Even if Kareem Hunt gets and, and takes some of these snaps away, Chubb is still going to be good. He's going to have a high yard per carry. He's a running back, a full-time running back that averages more than five yards per carry. He's not just going to get on the bench. He's the best running back on that team. He might be the best running back in the NFL, honestly. Um, so I like him. I don't think he's going to regress. I actually think he might he might take a step back in yardage, but I think he'll make up for it in touchdowns. And so I think that's a big one. Uh, Derrick Henry, I mentioned, for some reason, you know, people think that – I don't understand why people are sleeping. Now he's still a first round pick consensus. Don't get me wrong, but I think he should be higher because once Tannehill got in there, he became a different running back. I think people are assuming Tennessee is going to fall back to earth. Will their red zone touchdown percentage be as good as it was last season when Tannehill got 90, 90%, got them into the end zone um, inside the reserve. No, that's going to regress, but this team's going to be better. Um, They lost an offensive lineman, but they gained some back in the draft. Derrick Henry, I think, is a little bit underdrafted right now, but we're talking a couple of spots. Um, and I'll give you one since you mentioned the – I'll give you two more. One is a tight end. I'll, I'll hit you with the one you'll like in a second. Tight end Hayden Hurst. Um, I know he's catching hype now. But, look, Austin Hooper going to Cleveland, it, just, it doesn't mean that Austin Hooper is going to be able to pr- uh, produce at that same amount in Cleveland. He's going to a different offense on a team that has David Njoku at the moment. Um, I think Austin Hooper regresses. Hayden Hurst going into a dirt cutter offensive system. He's a really, mm-hmm. really good receiving tight end. The fact that he couldn't break the lineup, um, you know, through Mark Andrews had more to do with his blocking. Well, Atlanta doesn't care about run blocking. Okay. Hayden Hurst right now being average draft position at 16 at tight end it's is crazy. ridiculously low. He's going to be a top eight tight end this year yeah. in this system. It, it just, it's a lock as long as he doesn't get hurt. And remember, who was Austin Hooper before Dirk Cutter got there? Nothing. Exactly. So Hayden Hurst, to me, is, is drafted. I actually, when I was preparing for this, I thought Hayden Hurst's hype had caught up to him. And I looked, and he was still at 16. It's like, come on, guys. Like, he's a guy 
that you can draft late and he will be a season long starter at tight end. Mm. And if you play daily fantasy, get him in your lineups early in the season because he's going to be a bargain. And then uh, the one I want to hit you with is Tom Brady. People are hating on Tom Brady right now. Um, and I know you have a little bit of apprehension. I get it too. Um, you know, you root for the Tampa Bay. Nothing good happens to Tampa Bay, <laughs> you know. But Tom Brady last year, you got to remember, like people are hating on him. Mm. He still threw for or right around 4,000. I don't know if he was just under or just over, but 4,000 yards on a team that lost basically three of their offensive linemen the week before the season started. Um, a team that could not run the ball, a team that had no receivers that could separate. The one week he did have Antonio Brown, I think he hit him on two touchdowns. He could have two more. Um, This was not a Brady problem. Now you throw him in Tampa Bay. You have arguably his best receiving group when you talk about Godwin and Evans and Gronkowski. Um, Is it – it's not Humphreys. Uh, Miller? Is it Scotty Miller? Yes, Um, Scotty Miller. Their slot guy. You still have Cameron Brate and O.J. Howard at this point. He's probably got the best receiving group. My only concern is Bruce Arians has the downfield passing attack. It's, Brady's going to take more hits this season than he probably ever has before, but he's got downfield weapons, man. I think if Brady can stay healthy, he's a lock for 35 touchdowns, 4,500 to 5,000 yards. He's not going to get you anything on the ground, so that's going to keep him out of the top five. Mm. But, um, you know, people are hating on him just because they want to hate on the guy because he's old and he's the GOAT. And so I think they're, they're throwing a lot of shade at him and uh, as if he was the reason uh, that uh, New England couldn't really be an explosive offense last year, it was not his fault. If you watch the games, he had no receiver could get any separation at all. So uh, I definitely give him a pass for last year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm with you on on most of those. I think the only player I'm I'm slightly hesitant on is is Henry, just purely on yeah. that workload that he had last year. You know, he had a uh, over 120 touches in in the playoffs alone. And you know, when you when you get a player with that kind of workload, I think uh, 32 players. Uh, in the history of the NFL have uh, or in, in the last 20 years or something like that have, have broken that 400 touch mark in, in a season and 28 of those heavily regressed so the right so at the end of the day you know the the history is not in his favor that doesn't mean he he isn't the talent to do it and he's been paid as such so you know I, I, he's the only one I'm probably a little cautious but all of these I, I completely see as um, as huge buys, especially Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I mean, that tight end position, I, I'm in drafts where people are a little smarter and he's going in that 10 to 12 range. But still, even Wait, there, still. yes. Yeah. I mean, he's someone you can steal in, you know, if you're someone who goes QB late and you can get, um, you know, you can get him probably the round before. If you're a 10th round, 11th round QB guy, you can get your, your tight end in Hayden Hurst one round before, load up on wide receivers and running backs the rest of the way. And you, you're, you're set, like your lineup's going to be good. He's this season's, I think he's going to be a better version of last year's Darren Waller. Yes. Meaning I think he'll get you the same volume in catches. He'll get you the same volume in yards. But unlike Darren Waller, um, who had, um, uh, uh, what was his name? The other tight end there. I'm sorry. They had another talented rookie tight end. I oh, based on uh, Foster Moreau. Yeah, Foster Moreau, who I like, by the way. Mm. Um, outside of him, the only difference is Atlanta's not going to put in kind of a backup um, you know, tight end to get those. So you now you obviously have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, but Hayden Hurst will get touchdowns. Believe me, this Falcons team will move the ball. So he's a guy, and I told everybody in the Almanac last year, draft Aaron Waller, please, with your last round pick because he, he was being ignored. Hayden Hurst, you can't get him in the last round, but he's a season-long starter, man. I, th- I really think he's going to be a top five this year, but I'm, I'm safely betting that he's in the top eight, assuming he can be healthy. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, 100%. And you've got, you got three players here that you're uh, significantly yeah. lower on than consensus, and 
there's two guys here I, I absolutely dial in and go 100% agree. And there's one name that is going to shock absolutely everybody listening to this. Yeah, so I'll, I'll kind of go in order as, as you can see him kind of in the, the Google Doc that we're both working off of. But um, DeAndre Hopkins, here's the deal. I tell DeAndre Hopkins, he is probably, in my opinion, the best receiver in the NFL, specifically because you have to understand that a lot of wide receivers, like wide receivers are generally divas. You know, they're generally talking about how good they are. But then you notice, like in Odell Beckham, when Eli Manning got hurt and some backup quarterbacks went in there, Odell Beckham regressed, right? He regressed a little bit, although you can dial it up to injury last year. He regressed with Baker Mayfield, a quarterback last year. Um, whether Whatever your take is on the injury, he did regress. Um, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that when his starting quarterback goes down, his his production does not, right? His It doesn't matter if Deshaun Watson is in the lineup. He's still catching two touchdowns a game. He's a monster. And he's a very rare guy in that regard. Um, I believe Julio Jones is another guy that, that, that is that good. If Matt Ryan went down Julio Jones, his production would not slip an inch. And there's very, very, very few guys up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you have him going over to Arizona. I'm not saying he's going to regress physically and I'm not saying he was a system receiver at all. What I will say is that Kyler Murray has, um, um, Christian Kirk and he has Larry Fitzgerald to throw to and on top of that, they're adding slot receivers at reckless abandon. Hopkins is going to be good. He's going to be a top receiver. But at the position he's being drafted right now, I just have a little bit of pause. Um, I think you would be better served at, the, at that level to draft another running back or maybe start the run on, say, tight end or start a run on quarterback because I think you get more relative value in your roster that, that way. So I think there are more questions about the spread of this offense um, whereas Deshaun Watson, you know Deshaun Watson, if he's in a pinch and he's scrambling and he's buying some time in the pocket Straight and up. he sees DeAndre Hopkins is double covered, he's chucking the ball anyway, and DeAndre Hopkins is good enough to make that catch. Mm. Like I said, a rare talent. Is Kyler Murray going to throw the ball into double coverage this season DeAndre Hopkins? I just don't see it. Not I just don't it. see it that way. Um, so that's one. Um, I'll give you – before I give you the big name, I'll give you the second one. Yeah. I've had a lot of readers ask me about in my guide um, – ask me about Miles Sanders. Mm. And I want to say this, I like Miles Sanders a lot. And people think that I don't like him because where I have I have him ranked lower than average draft, like significantly, but maybe another 10 or 12 spots, like a, a couple of rounds lower than average draft consensus. I like Miles Sanders, do not get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But Doug Peterson goes four deep at running back. The reason Miles Sanders, in my opinion, popped off in the last eight games last year, there's two reasons. One, there were um, injuries at running back. So at the end of the year, you basically had Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, which was a more traditional two-back distribution. Then you also had no receivers, no receivers. So they were basically winning games at the end of the year with Miles Sanders, Boston Scott running that kind of scat back and, mm-hmm. and third down back roll, and then th- chucking the ball 15 yards and in to Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. And Greg Ward. They're, I mean, Josh McCown yeah, was Greg, warming Greg up. Ward. And I would say if you're, an, yeah, if you're an Eagles fan, I would say the best thing about last year was that they still made the playoffs and won the division with no receivers. And Greg Ward – Look, you know, do you want him to be your number one wide receiver? No. But now, given what he went through last year, now he's your number three, number four. See. I mean, I like the Eagles, man. I think people are sleeping a little bit on the Eagles because they think they're nine and seven. The Eagles are probably honestly like an eleven five, twelve and fourteen last year if they had the receivers and their full stable of running backs. But Miles Sanders, it's not about Miles Sanders. Look, I think as a as a receiver um, and as a runner, and actually coming out of college, I liked him even a little bit in terms of physical talent better than Saquon Barkley. Um, you know, another fellow Penn State guy. Yeah. 
But just the way Doug Peterson is going to employ him in this offense, I think there's too much question for me to take him at the value he's doing. I would rather take a safer bet. That's why I moved him back in my lineup. Last name I'm going to hit you with, Christian McCaffrey. Um, Look, I'll be honest with everybody. He's still the number one player on my board at this point. But, again, we're talking offensive schemes, right? Think about this. Think of the mentality of a head coach. You have Scott Turner as the offensive coordinator. You have Ron Rivera last year for the Carolina Panthers. You're thinking, I have to win games and do well to keep my job. Think about that. Think about if you were trying to keep your job out there. And there are a lot of people just hanging on, you know, with what we're dealing with in the, in the, in the environment, the global economy. There's a lot of people that are hanging on to their jobs. By the, by the, what would you do if you had the best employee? Would you try to burn that employee out a little bit if you're a manager just to perform a little bit better? I think a little bit of that was happening. If you look at the snap count totals and the share of workload for Christian McCaffrey last year, look, the dude is amazing. I mentioned Chubb. I think Chubb is the best running back in football, maybe. Christian McCaffrey is the other guy, the other maybe, maybe Zeke Elliott, in terms of just pure running back talent. But you have a new coaching staff coming in there, and Mark Rule, a guy who spreads the ball around. You have uh, the ex-LSU um, um, college offensive coordinator, another spread-the-ball-around guy. I think they're going to distribute the ball more, and I think what those guys are thinking is, hey, we're not going to be able to beat the Saints. We're not going to be able to beat – the Bucks with the addition of Brady. We're not going to be able to beat um, Matt Ryan. No, we're going to give him everything they can handle, but we're not competing for the Super Bowl this year. Let's hold off. Let's, let's you know, pump the brakes a little bit on Christian McCaffrey's workload. We want to fry him out. We want him in three years. We don't want him this year to have his, his crazy amount. So do, I don't have a player that I would say draft this guy above Christian McCaffrey, but it's not going to be like what we saw the last mm. two years where he's just like 100 points better than everybody. So he's going to regress – and what I'm saying here, and the reason I wanted to bring him up, is if you had that first pick in your fantasy draft and you're in a trade format, um, redraft the league, and somebody's really hot after Christian McCaffrey, make that move. You know, Get some more picks later in your draft in, in the second and third round because that's where you're going to find your value rather than over not overdrafting but drafting him that high. That's my, that's my philosophy. What do you think about that? Yo, when you lay it out like that, that makes not only a ton of sense, but yeah, it really does because I think – I think you're right. And also the problem is we've, we've seen this every year. The consensus number one is never the number one. Um, right. Everyone last year was pretty much, although you had the tier of four, um, Christian McCaffrey was going off at three, four. That's, that's where he was going off last year in drafts. So mm-hmm. You either got him at three or you got him at four. It was him and Kamara were kind of 50-50. It was Barkley, it was Elliot. You know, the year before, everyone was all in on, Oh, I think, you know, it was Lev Bell and then he sat out, yeah, yep. you know, the year before was David Johnson. He gets injured in the first, and this, these things happen, injuries, etc. Mm-hmm. But the first pick never returns. So sometimes being a bit contrarian, the, the trade back is, is a great strategy. If you can get someone to pay the price you want or a good enough I'm price always, to go up. Whenever, whenever I win the first pick and, you know, in the, the dice roll or how, whatever format I'm in, I always try to trade back. Seriously, every single year I try to trade back. To it, depending on, um, usually I have kind of my tiers. I usually try to trade back to about somewhere in the three to six range because I like to work the middle rounds. Um, last year I ended up trading back for the swing. So I think I had, um, like there was a hurricane and my draft was in Tampa, so I couldn't fly in for it. Um, so I, I ended up having to have like the 11th to 12th pick or something like that. that was a nightmare. I just kept getting nailed on the swing every single time, but I would rather actually have the swing in the back part of the draft than the early part of the draft, oddly enough, because I think you get more, um, more value at the kind of the running back or the running back wide receiver swing and that pick. But like you said, I think we agree there. I mean, it's, it's, 
that top pick never really pays off the way you think it's going to. But I would say if I was in a dynasty startup and I was in a dynasty startup at the 101, didn't get a price I wanted, and I was quite happy to take McCaffrey yeah, sure. because, as, as you said, the cases, maybe they don't work him this year. And maybe in the next two years, you, oh, yeah. you know, you've got a three year running back there minimum who's going to who's going to mm-hmm. deliver. You know, he's still going to be an RB1 this year, even with a reduced workload. Yeah. He's probably still going to be a top three anyway, even if the, he loses 30 percent of his workload, he could lose 30 percent. I think he'd still come in at the RB3 based on last right. year's numbers. So, you know, you want to want a home run hit, and he is a home run hit. Even if you can't trade out of that position, you still got to take it because he's not going to be much below his ADP. Yeah, I always say that you can't win your draft in the first three rounds, but you can lose it. Um, you know, you don't want to overthink the first few slots. And I'll give you a name. I'll, I'll throw a name out there that I think if, if everything – and this is a big if, but if things line up right, I actually think um, he could be the top point getter in fantasy sports this year is Dalvin Cook. I think that the Minnesota offense is going to be better, actually, because I like Gary Kubiak coming in there. He's been an offensive assistant there for a while. He's familiar with the personnel. Stefanski moving over to Cleveland. Dalvin Cook, a runner and a catcher, with um, um, the new offensive coordinator and Gary Kubiak. Uh, differing run philosophy, a little bit more zone blocking. I think you're going to see a higher yards per carry. But the big ifs are, one, um, possible holdout. Two, I actually love Alexander Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about physical talent and running backs. He was my favorite rookie running back last year along with Miles Sanders. But the problem is he had Dalvin Cook in front of him. Um, so I, I worry because if Dalvin Cook you know, holds out for two or three games, I think Alexander Madison's going to pop. Um, so he's one of these guys that I tell everybody who emails me, I'm like, look, look if you're going to take Dalvin Cook, you have to understand, he, and the, the other uh, risk is injury. He's never finished a season. Um, he's always kind of banged up and you have to get Alexander Madison. You have to overpay in your draft for Alexander Madison to, to diffuse some of that risk. Mm. But if things line up, if he plays a full 16 in this system would not shock me if he's a number one running back this year. So we'll see. I have him as my RB 24. 24? Oh man. I have, but then I project, I project him missing six games plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. So because of either the holdout or injury. Yeah, and, and I think that's a very fair projection. Like I said, there's a lot of risk that goes with that. Um, and to be fair, like with um, with this holdout, I'm not a big guy because running backs, when they hold out, they tend to lose money mm-hmm. the way the, the economics of the NFL work. But Dalvin Cook's in this interesting situation. I think he's got to hold out because of the injury history. Can you imagine if he plays this season, he plays three games and shreds his knee in a contract year? He's making a million bucks. He's obviously, when he plays, one of the most elite players in the NFL when he plays. Um, If I'm Dalvin Cook, I'm holding out. Honestly, I am. And I I truly don't support that um, generally. I thought Le'Veon Bell's holdout in Pittsburgh was famously stupid. Um, And I think I turned out to be, you know, I think think history will judge me correct on that, given that he gave up $15 to ride jet skis for a year. Um, like pride doesn't get you paid. And then, right? and then but, ended um, up on, a, on, on the Jets, which you can't say is a better situation than Pittsburgh. Yeah, exactly. And, and Pittsburgh honors its contracts too. So it, it, that wasn't a good situation for a holdout. Minnesota, Dalvin Cook, I think a holdout's good. So Alexander Madison, make sure he's on your radar, everybody. He's very, very talented. He's going to be a great fit for what Gary Kubiak wants to do in this offense. I don't think this offense, honestly, I don't think they miss a beat. Um, yeah, I know he doesn't have the receiving uh, talent that Dalvin Cook does, but they can find other guys to catch short passes. Everybody like Alexander Madison is going to be good, so 100%. just keep an eye out for him. I'm I'm with you on that. 
so that we got <laughs> we we've somehow managed to go for for close to an hour already. So um, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's do the books some justice because I I think one it's a fan uh, you know a fantastic tool, but also as well it's it's so incredibly priced that you kind of you need to add this to your repertoire because it, it just not only is it a great book and it's well written and it has lots of interesting um, different takes on on things and the breakdowns per team, but I I can't think of another book you can buy on Kindle for under which four pounds here. So yeah, right. it's like next to nothing. And then even the print versions, it, you know, still extremely well priced for for a print version book. So tell everybody at home a little bit about um, what exactly is it, and then what is mm-hmm. different from for you know for the 2020 book and and what's and what's sort of been added to what it was last year because last year was great it broke down the teams well you had some mm-hmm. great predictions like with with lev bell um you know going lower yeah. than you had a much lower than consensus and i think you had him what, a round and a half lower than yeah and basically you know why i did that it's funny because the first year i published um people got it, it what i what i found is that people get really upset if you publish a book and your rankings are so different and so I'm pretty apologetic and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit because I've, I've kind of figured out a way to do that. But, um, you know, my projections are my projections and they come from analytics. Right. And what I've noticed from a lot of fantasy football publications and there are, there are good ones out there and I think there are bad ones out there and you're an analytics guy too. Right. So you, you kind of get it, you crunch your numbers, you chart, um, and different things. Right. And you know, when you pour through data, who's basically just regurgitating the same rankings, you know, they're going to fantasy pros and grabbing the consensus and maybe they're going to ESPN and maybe they're kind of normalizing that. You can tell when people are doing that. And I think a lot of that is what dominates the publications. And so, again, talking about how the way I want to see fantasy football, I want a little bit more depth and a little bit more uh, methodology behind why the picks are there. So the first thing I do is I explain why my rankings are different. I'm not apologetic about them, but I explain why. You mentioned Le'Veon Bell last year, about a round and a half. Truly there, I knew it was safe that nobody was going to pick him there. Um, Nobody was going to get him where they were going, so I didn't have to worry about it so much. But also, I also think that Adam Gase and the New York Jets and what they want to do, I knew he'd get some receptions and he did. And I think he probably, I don't, you know, I don't really spend a lot of time kind of going back and seeing, you know, which projections are right or not. But I know Le'Veon Bell probably ended up about where I wanted to. If I had to guess, he's probably around the 15 to 25 range, somewhere in there in running backs. And it's just not one you want to take so early, right? So um, that's really what we try to do. We try to put a little bit more methodology. And the methodology is driven from two things. It's from literally, like I said before, I watch all of the offensive uh, – I watch all the games, and I do chart all the plays. And I chart them actually for gambling to help me with that to win money. Um, but it translates really well to fantasy football. Um, so I feed all of that charting that I do during the season to, um, to spit numbers back. Now what's different is about anywhere from nine to 15. So seriously about half the league every year will change their offensive scheme, their offensive philosophy. They might not change their head coach, but they'll change their play calling. So you need to, uh, Miami is a great example of this, uh, of that this year, they have a new offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey, who's been in the league for like 20 or 30 years calling plays. Well, Chan Gailey has a way he wants to do things. Does he want to pass? Does he favor, um, you know, is Devontae uh, Parker going to have a huge year? Preston Williams, are they going to have big years? Jordan Howard, who I think, by the way, is a vastly underrated running back this year. Mm. Um, are they going to be able to run the ball this year? Well, the answer is yes, because Chan Gailey has been successful running the ball everywhere. Uh, they also added a ton of pieces at offensive line. Don't worry so much about what the first eight to ten games last year looked like. They gained some traction last year. 
and they had, in my opinion, probably subpar offensive play call. They've cleaned that up. So you need to pay attention to kind of where the offensive schemes are going as well. And I think that's what my guy, what differentiates what I try to do with respect to some of the other things that you can find on Amazon and everything, you know, and there are different philosophies. I'm not saying the other ones are wrong, but that's just the way I've done it. And then I, the way I've been able to find kind of sleepers, like projecting Darren Waller, um, where I did last year, you mentioned Le'Veon Bell. I, uh, I projected because of film study, specifically the, the preseason games, um, Singletary to pop um, for Buffalo last year as a viable source. Um, this Alexander Madison take that I have this year, if he gets in the lineup, that comes from the watching of the games last year. So I do, I really do honestly combine analytics with film study and I put a lot of hours into it. So I think that's probably the big difference. And and it really, really shows, um, you know, you, you do things in the book, um, things like matchups between defensive backs versus wide receivers, you know, you really do a bit of a, a dive into every single team, what you're kind of expecting um, from, from everybody. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a great resource for anybody who's either just getting into the game. Do, do you know what I think your resource really helped me with more than anything? It wasn't just looking at players and takes. It was actually projections based because I looked at my projections, yeah. right? When, when I looked at yours and I looked at mine and then I looked at the reasons why some of your players were projected where they were. And then it made me go back and question my own. And listen, some of them, I saw the point of view a lot more and mm-hmm. then I reflected and changed. Some of them I, I disagree with. I look at, and that, yeah. is, that is part of the projections, right? They're, they are what you yeah. make of them. And, but what it did is it made me hone, you know, hone my process more. And I'm still in this beginning phase. I don't have a model sure. that I can take to the bank and say, this is good enough for me to finish in the mm-hmm. top 10 of fantasy pros rankings and things like that. You know, we had Justin yeah, right. Boone on on Tuesday. He was the best ranker on the planet. Seven, yeah, seven right. top 10 in the last eight years. Process isn't there, but it gets better every year. And it's because you learn from people who have been doing this a long time. And, and that's where the book is. If, if, even if you don't want to do your own projections, but you just want to get a bit smarter, you want that little edge, that bit of information that no one else in your league is going to have. This book will provide that for you because you know, with our book, we, we went more with a beginner's kind of aspect. Yeah. Here is some strategy that we know works. And if you execute that strategy, you'll be competitive. We're not saying you're going to win hundreds of championships, but you're going to have more fun. You're going to have an edge and you're going to play with a, a format and a process that works. And here's why it works. And then here's some players that we like and things like that. You're kind of elevating your people up more. They've got that understanding of how to win. It's just actually slotting in the right pieces. And I think that's yeah. what I, I really like about it. It's for those people who just want to get better. Um, and it's not a lot of money to invest, um, you know, to buy, to buy, to buy a book on Kindle for under four pounds and to deliver what it does. It's, it's superb. And, you know, you've got some new things in there this year. So why don't we finish up talking about some of sure. the, the new aspects that you uh, have added to the book, but then also, I know, I know you've got a, a bit, bit about COVID in there as well. So that, mm. let's touch upon, upon those things and then, and then we'll wrap up. Sure, sure. Um, quickly, I, I do want to say one thing. So you mentioned kind of receivers and cornerbacks just very quickly. You know, one, uh, again, I, I write this book driven from my own pet peeves, <laughs> you know, and one of the things that I'm sure everybody who plays fantasy sports, they see the projections for the week and they see, ooh, this receiver is playing the 32nd ranked passing, uh, you know, defense and all that stuff. But you have to know why. Like if, you know, if a team, let's say your Buccaneers, um, they played their first week against the Kansas City Chiefs, 
there's a good chance they're going to be this 32nd rated passing defense in week two, right? Oh, well, let's say maybe the next week they play the LA Rams um, who like to pass the ball quite a bit and have talented receivers. You know, there's reasons for this. And so you need to know kind of what the history is. And again, that's why I chart. So not only that, but you, if you're playing a team, you need to know how Julio Jones is going to play against his cornerback matchup. Is he playing a one-on-one cornerback? Are they going to play a zone defense and try to bracket him? So I kind of go into that level um, with some of these forward-based projections as well. But um, as far as what's new for the book this year, I mentioned before, like, some of my rankings are out of whack. Um, but what I do is I, I, I have this algorithm, and it spits out kind of what the projections are going to be. I look at that algorithm and I look at average draft position. I keep track of what the fantasy community is doing. I do a mock draft to, to basically calibrate this as much as I can. And then when possible, thanks to COVID, we're not going to get preseason games. Um, I calibrate that and I vet all of that, you know, basically that computation against what I'm seeing on the field and how the, how the plays and offenses are starting to coalesce. Um, so what I did this year is I added what's called points above replacement fantasy par. If you could think if you're a baseball fan, it's war, you know, wins above replacement in major league. So this fantasy par, what it does is it lets you know, relative to other starters, how much strategic value will this give your lineup in a weekly, um, you know, weekly area. So for example, like you could think of the top running back last year was Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know, he might be a hundred points better, or 150 points better. Maybe that gives you a strategic advantage of like, 10 points per game above even the second place person. So his par would have been off the charts this year. I can think of guys like Travis Kelsey at tight ends gives you a par advantage at tight end. So when you think about your draft day and you're sitting there and you're trying to figure out, okay, well, should I, should I start the run on tight end? Should I take Kelsey? Is it around too early? What I've done is try to normalize. Okay. Well, running back here is going to give you this much advantage throughout the entire season in this slot a tight end here will give you this many points of advantage. So the smarter move might be to wait on that running back and mm-hmm. take the tight end or vice versa. Quarterbacks is another one. Should I take Lamar Jackson? Should I take Patrick Mahomes? And so that's kind of what my tiers do is it uses the par, the forward projections. It also analyzes the average draft position and slots them in such an area that you're going to get the most bang for your buck. Some people might laugh at you and say you're overdrafting people. Like you were saying before, like playing the dynasty is the right move to draft Christian McCaffrey this year. I would say absolutely yes. Um, would I be overdrafting Alexander Madison if I have Dalvin Cook? Maybe people would laugh, but strategically, that's probably the best, safest thing that you can do for your team in like the 11th round or whatever it is. So that's what we really try to do. And that's par, I think, is the big addition. We've also added like a, an auction section strategy. Um, we've also added, you know, different like formats, half PPR and those kinds of things. But I'd say par is something I've been testing for about four years now. And I've just gotten it to the point where I'm comfortable enough to publish it for everybody to use. That's awesome. So jam-packed. And do you know what? We're going to have to have you on again to, yeah, to, to. to talk about it more. Um, and hopefully we can get some listener questions off people people that buy it. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got um, an image of it on the overlay. Why don't you tell people where, uh, first of all, where they can buy the book? Um, I've obviously mentioned Kindle and Amazon. You can buy it for for you know under four pounds i think it's like three pound 90 something which is just i mean why wouldn't you do it right it's 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 the best 390 you're going to spend all all <laughs> season i guarantee it if it's not do you know write, write me then i'll i'll refund you <laughs> 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 that's how much i believe in it uh, but then also tell everyone where where they can find and interact with you because you, you're very interactive on twitter as well yeah, yeah. So um, Amazon, I think, is the best place to buy the book um, because, you know, it's just available in every geo. I mean, we have people in Japan buying it and we have people you know, certainly in Germany and the UK and just everywhere. Um, so Amazon.com, you can search for Fantasy Football Almanac or Sean Ryan and S-E-A-N, the Irish way of spelling. Sean Ryan, 
Um, and you can search for me there. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at TFS underscore Sean T as in Tom F as in fantasy and S as in sports. Um, underscore Sean S E A again. S-E-A-N again. And then, um, you know, if you buy the book, seriously, if, if anybody buys the book, I can't stress this enough. I can see in the analytics only about 15 to 20% who buy the book sign up for the free updates. It's not marketing fluff. I'm not doing it just to get your email address. I'm really just giving you updates. If you bought the initial publication in May, you would have Cam Newton not even really mentioned in the book. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, he's on the New England Patriots. How's that going to impact the Patriots? I have updated that. So all of that is up to date. My book, I, the way I try to do things, is it's always the most up-to-date book on Amazon. Um, it has been updated for Cam Newton. If there's other major developments, I will update the publication. And I will send everybody the, uh, the guide. Awesome. Well, look, thanks so much for, for coming on. Really appreciate it, Sean. And uh, look, we'll have you on again. Um, I'll send you a link when this is out. We'll put links in the show notes. But it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. I've, I've loved this. We, we could talk for hours, I think. <laughs> we could. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's great. We love it. We'll have you back and we'll, we'll do an extra special. We'll get stocks in and, and everything. But uh, Sean, thanks so much for, for coming on. Rush Nation, thanks so much for tuning in and joining us. Stocks and I will be back next week with another guest. But until next week, Rush Nation, keep rushing. to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.